And here we go. All right. Looks like we're live here on Facebook. So uh, good evening, everybody. It's uh, it's Friday night in Burlington, and uh, we're here for a very uh, special uh, presentation here on Live Long and Podcast, our second version of Star Trek Radio Theater, uh, where we do a live performance, a live reenactment of a, a Star Trek script, uh, a script read-through um, on the air with uh, several of your uh, favorite Live Long and Podcast uh crew here, uh, myself included, are going to be reenacting many roles tonight. Uh, we're very excited about that. And uh, we're very excited to have you along. And this is, you know, all for fun. Uh, this is all just to, uh, you know, pay homage to the source material, to the creation of um, uh, of Star Trek The Next Generation and, and all this, these Star Trek scripts that we love so much. But we are we are having some fun. Uh, we got some great uh, performances tonight. And, and every uh, a performer is able to take artistic liberties with their characters. They don't have to do them as the original actors did in the episode 30 years ago. Uh, they can be whatever version. They're like, this character is this person tonight. So that's and, and so you'll just get accustomed to that. We will introduce the characters as they as they come in. Uh, so our episode tonight is uh, Star Trek's The Next Generation third season episode, Menage a Troy, which I believe was called Peace of Mind, uh, upright until the end, written by Fred Bronson and Susan Sackett, uh, as, as mentioned, uh, from May of 1990, it was near the end of the third season. Uh, it is quite the story, and uh, we're excited to take you through it. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of take you through all the performers at the end. You'll see it on screen because in my mere moments, you'll see us all on screen. So uh, the four main performers tonight are myself, my wife, Jane, uh, Ashley Millard, and my brother, Jeff, um, all playing various characters. And, and I will also be serving um, as the role of the narrator. So the narrator will be the closest to my natural voice, while some of the other characters are are closer to my voice and others are very farther, much further. Uh, so... With no further ado, um, I think we can bring in our graphic for tonight. And let's bring this full on. Okay. How does that look, everybody? Oh, I think I might have to just change that background. Does that look okay to everybody? It's a million years. Yes. There we go. That's uh, a little less distracting. Okay. All right. So um, we're going to start the episode now. Um, and you can see there's all your performers. That's who's playing whom. And, uh, and with no further ado, let's uh, get started. All right. All performers ready? Check. Lemon yeah. face. Tiger face. Lemon face. Tiger face. Okay. Lemon face. Ooh. Uh-oh. Here we go. <laughs> oh, Lord. And begin. Begin teaser. We cut to exterior space, the Enterprise, in orbit around a bright green planet. Captain's log, Sade 43930.7. The Enterprise has been in attendance at the Biennial Trade Agreement Conference on Beta Z. We cut to Tenford Interior. Tenford is a busy place. Conference delegates from different worlds are here, including three Ferengi, Tog, Ferek, and Nibor. A musician entertains the gathering playing a complex rhythm on a strange percussion instrument. Riker plays three-dimensional chess with Nibor as Wesley, Wesley looks on. Picard, Troy, and Data socialize with their guests as log is completed. For the first time, the Ferengi are present, and I have reluctantly consented to their boarding the Enterprise for the closing reception. We focus on Riker and Nibor. It is clear that they are in the near of their game, and the Ferengi is in trouble. Captured pieces litter the table at Riker's elbow. Nibor makes a move. He is confident. Riker smiles and moves his piece. Jack and mate. Nibor falls black, flabbergasted in his chair. Wesley is enjoying the, the moment. Perfect. Queen's gamut finished off with all the ran exchange. The Ferengi is still stunned by his defeat. That is unfair. I couldn't concentrate with all that noise. Noise, it's Algorian ceremonial rhythms. Riker and Wesley nod. Nibor shakes his head. <laughs> we focus on Picard and Data, talking with Wright and Grax, the Betazoid director of uh, conference director. A toast to the success of the trade conference, Ryzen. I must admit, I had some doubts when you invited the Ferengi. They made a profit and behaved themselves. What more could one ask? Still, they trouble me. 
We beta zeds are uncomfortable with species like the Ferengi, whose minds we can't read. Perhaps your telepathic abilities are ineffective, ineffective owing to the anomalous construction of the Ferengi brain, which is composed of four different... Thank you, Mr. Hale. It was thoughtful of you to invite Loxana Tri to be part of the Beta Z delegation. Yes, Loxana and I go way back. Her first husband and I were old friends, and I've known Deanna since she was a child. I'm sure Council Troy appreciates the opportunity to spend time with her mother. We focus on Troy and Loxana. Loxana's plate is piled with food. Her synthahog glass is refilled continually as she gives new meaning to the old adage, life is a banquet. Between bites and sips, she plies her daughter. She plies her daughter with thought transmissions. Little one, you can at least pretend you're happy to see me. Mother, we're among non-telepaths. It's impolite to speak aloud. You mean talk with my mouthful, Deanna? Please. She does manage to laugh with her mouthful, but Deanna doesn't think it's especially funny. All right, you want me to say something aloud? Have you considered if you stayed on Beta Z, you might have been a happier person? They've had this conversation before. Let's not guess what might have been. I love my work upon the above the <laughs> aboard the Enterprise. Yes, of course you do. But it's all business and no play. You've got to enjoy life. Relax, like I do. Find yourself the right man. Think of your future. Think of my future. Interrupted by Riker, his timing couldn't be better. Loxana, Deanna, anything I can do for you? Troy gets up. Could I? Troy throws her mother a look. We focus on the bar. As the other two Ferengi watch Mrs. Troy, Damon Tog, the captain, seems fascinated by this Betazoid female. Tog is tall for a Ferengi, although not by human standards. He's talking with his companion, the ship's doctor, Ferek. In the background, Loxana laughs. Farek winces at the sound. She's as repulsive as the rest of them. Repulsive? I find her exotic. And what an advantage their telepathy would be in our negotiations. Hmm. To read our competitors' minds. Yes, that would be valuable. Tog can't take his eyes off Loxana. Farek notices. Give Tog a look. Be serious. But she'd never agree to use her. But she'd never agree to use her powers to help us. I'm not so sure. In background, Riker and Troy move on. This is the moment Tog's been waiting for. He moves qu off quickly. We focus on Tog and Loxana as he seats himself at her table. Loxana Troy of Beta Z, I believe. I am Damon Tog of the Ferengi vessel Kraton. May I join you? I was just going to see Captain Picard. Excuse me. She rises, maneuvering past Tog to where Picard is still conversing with Data and writing Grax. She interrupts. Oh, Jean-Luc! Jean-Luc! Come have a drink with me. Tell me what you've been up to. Perhaps later, Waxana. Mr. Data and I were just about to show writing Grax the, uh, um, the new door mechanisms of the Aftober lifts, if you'll excuse us. And they go off, leaving Waxana standing alone in the middle of Ten Ford. And oh god, here comes that nasty little Ferengi again. Oops, too late. Waxana Troy, I desire you. What? You see, your Beta Z skills would be very useful to me, and I find you very attractive. I am willing to pay handsomely for you. I don't believe this. You must be aware that every female has her price. Luxon is now infuriated. All the other activity in 10 Forward comes to a halt as everyone's attention focuses on her. Let's get one thing straight, little man. I am not for sale. And if, by some chance, I were to become available, I would rather eat Orion wing slugs than deal with a toad-faced troll like you. So go away and find someone else to become your property. We focus on a horrified Deanna as everyone waits to see what Tog will do. He is silent for a moment, and then... As you wish. As everyone else resumes their activities, Tog retreats to the bar where Farek is tossing down another synthahol. Now that you've totally humiliated us, may we return to our vessel? She's exhilarating, isn't she? Farek gives him a look. Is he kidding? Now I want her more than ever. Roxana, try. You will be mine. Fade out. End of teaser.
Begin Act One. We fit in. We fade into the Enterprise corridor interior. On the way to her cabin, Troy encounters Worf. They walk together as Deanna continues to her quarters. Are we at war with the Ferengi yet? Damon Tog has returned to his vessel, and the Ferengi have left orbit. My mother will be relieved. I hear she handled the situation quite skillfully. An admirable woman. I'll be sure to tell you her what you said so. Thank you. Worf leaves Deanna at her door, continues on his way. Before he open, her door opens, she hears a voice in her head. Come in, little one. Troy reacts and enters. We cut to Troy's quarters interior. Loxana lies in a meditative state with unusual Beta Z candles burn at each side of her head. Beta Z is visible through the window. Mother, mo mother, please. Troy is silent for a beat. Then Loxana's eyes flutter and she returns to her familiar feisty self. After that awful little Ferengi insulted me, I needed to center myself. Can you imagine that dreadful little creature talking to me like that? Doesn't he realize that I am a daughter of the fifth house of Beta Zed, holder of the sacred chalice of Ricks? The sacred chalice of Ricks is an old clay pot with mold growing inside it. Perhaps one day when you're older and wiser, you'll understand. Come on, sit down, talk to me. We spend so little time together. That's true. I'm sorry. And I didn't mean to be upset with you at the reception. Deanna, try to understand. You're all I have. My only concern is for your happiness. I am happy. Why can't you believe that? I wish I could. But how much happiness is there in always being there for someone else and never being there for yourself? Troy feels the anger heating up inside her. She fights to control it. I get a great deal of satisfaction out of my work. I'm sure you do. I'm sure it's very rewarding in its way. What about a family? This is my family. My friends are here on the Enterprise. All right. In case I have to spell it out for you, I'm talking about finding a husband. Having a child. That's what made me happy, at least until now. Troy suppresses her growing anger, hoping to avoid a fight. Mother, look. Perhaps someday I will marry. But you've got to let me make my own choices. Live my life, uh, live my own life, and not the life you would choose for me. You had your chance with that Commander Riker. Look how you ruined that. I did not ruin anything. We've become very good friends. Well, all the better. You certainly wouldn't want to marry an enemy. I can see we can't talk about this very well. Have it your way, little one. Little one? You called me that when I was five. Now stop demeaning me and address me as an adult. Troy storms out. We cut to the Enterprise corridor interior. Troy's not even sure where, where she's going. She just had to get out of there. And as she walks, she hears, I'll be home on Vegas end if you need me, little uh, Deanna. We cut to the Enterprise ready room interior. Picard and Riker have been listening to a briefing from Data, Geordi, and Wesley on equipment to be used in the next mission. Wesley is concluding his report. Adding preprocessors to the neutrino counters boosted efficiency by 11%. Of course, Commander of the Forge and Geordi, or Commander Data did most of the work. Not so fast, Wesley. Pre-processing the data will, with an optical chip was your idea. That is correct, sir. Although Commander LaForge and I designed the chip, Mr. Crush, Mr. Crusher derived the equation governing its operation. The point is, you completed the upgrade well ahead of schedule. Very impressive. Indeed, number one. Fine work. We shall miss you, Mr. Crusher. Wesley can't help it. He knows what's coming, and the grin just grows until he's all smiles. As you've guessed, final entrance examination scores from the Starfleet Academy have arrived. Congratulations. As soon as you have completed the oral exam, you'll be formally admitted. Well, I'll have you back at Beta Z in plenty of time to meet up with the Academy transport ships. Thank you, sir. That'll be all. They begin to exit. Number one, a moment. Wesley and Jordy leave. Yes, Captain. 
You'll agree that this is fairly a routine mapping mission? Yes, sir. Councillor Troy has had the good sense to ask for shore leave. I can see I'm going to have to suggest it to you. Riker opens his mouth to protest, then he begins to think it over. Maybe it wouldn't be so bad. At his slight smile, Picard remarks, Have a good time, number one. We cut to bed as it exterior daytime. A 24th century city, technologically advanced yet so well blended with nature so that the effect is relaxing and pastoral. We're in a secluded spot in the green belt. Lush plants surround this open area, and the dirt path leads off to a dense foliage. Riker and Troy are looking for something in the greenery. Their mood is light as they enjoyed this brief shore leave. I think it's around here somewhere. Maybe it died. It has been a few years. Muktak lived for hundreds of years. Riker brushes aside some leaves to reveal an exotic-looking plant with blush foliage and eight silver flowers. Here it is. <laughs> Troy joins Riker as, he, as she gently shakes the blooms. Sounds of musical notes. An alien melody. It's lovely. I remember that sound and all the good times we had. I remember a certain junior officer meeting a very serious psychology student. The best part of a being aside to Beta Z. <coughs> it's a rare moment of closeness for them, as it seems quite natural for Riker to put his arm around her and give her a warm kiss. But the moment is interrupted by the sound of a voice. Oh, this is the perfect spot. Put the food down here, Mr. Home. Startled, Troy pulls away from Riker. She gives him a look. It can't be her. Riker and Troy step out of the green to see Loxana supervising Mr. Hom as he empties the contents of a metal container onto a silvery blanket. Loxana looks up, sees Riker and her daughter. Isn't it a beautiful day for a picnic? They'll join us in a minute. No, 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 no. Here, put the food over there. No, you can go back. Mother! How did you know about this place? Your father used to bring me here. Sit down. Mr. Hom pours glasses of some meat-colored liquid, passes it around, begins imbibing at an incredibly fast pace. Riker and Troy realize they have no choice but to make the best of it. And you even brought provisions. Very thoughtful. Loxana passes them something yellow with purple veins. Here, Will. Deanna. Try an ascoid. They're delicious. That sap running through the veins helps keep it warm. Very tasty. So tell us, Loxana, the last time we met you were looking for a husband. Did you have any luck? Alas, no. But what happens to me isn't important. I'm much more concerned about other people getting on with their lives. Mother! Mr. Holm, I noticed some berries along the path. Pick some. He nods, goes off down the path with the container. Well, Mr. Holm and I could go back home if you two would like to be alone. It's such a romantic setting. Mother, stop it. Darling, you have, you have been so excitable lately. Have you ever thought of a leave of absence? I could talk to Jean-Luc. Try the Osgood. Very different. But now their attention is diverted by the sound of an alien transporter beam. What the? We focus on Damon Tog as his images coalesces in a Ferengi transporter beam. Riker jumps to attention. The others are equally surprised. Tog extends a bunch of sorrowful Ferengi daisies to Loxana. For one whose beauty surpasses even these Pericles. Damon Tog, I thought the Kraden left orbit hours ago. It did. But when I tried to get the image of Loxana Troy out of my mind, I could not succeed. Loxana tosses the flowers away. This is ludicrous. You mean you came all the way back to Beta Z for me? Why continue to search for perfection when you have found it? I don't believe this. Look, Demon Tog, or whatever you call yourself, I am the daughter of the Fifth House. Holder of the sacred chalice of Rix, heir to the holy rings of Beta Zed, and unless you want to create an interstellar incident, you had better beam back to your ship. Returning to my ship is exactly what I had in mind. Creighton, transport four immediately. No, Tog! 
Riker goes for a Caesar, realizes he hasn't brought it to this usual peaceful place. He moves towards the Frankie when the Ford disappears in the Frankie transporter beam, leaving only an empty clearing. We focus on the path as Mr. Hom returns, his container full of green berries. His lips are, st are stained dark green. He looks around at the empty clearing. Where is everyone? Oh, probably up playing a game, he thinks to himself. So he pops another Uda berry into his mouth while he waits for them to return. Fade out. End of Act 1. Begin Act 2. We fade into exterior space. Ferengi vessel Creighton, traveling at warp speed. We cut to the Ferengi holding cell. Typical of a Ferengi ship, an ill-designed and unattractive room. The furnishings are sparse. One end of the room opens into an area where a comm panel is stationed and staffed by Nibor. A three-dimensional chessboard is on the console. Separating this holding tank from Nibor is a lighted arc, suggesting a force field. Riker, Troy, and Luxana are unconscious. Riker is the first to come to, immediately going to Deanna and her mother. Luxana! Oh, Deanna! He rouses them to consciousness. Where are we? From the smell of things, I'd say we're aboard a Ferengi vessel. The Ferengi can't do that. You're Starfleet officers. Tog must have missed that chapter in the Ferengi book of etiquette. Try, Riker tries his communicator. Nothing happens. He just tries again. Enterprise must be too far out of range. He moves to the arch. Tests it and gets repelled by a hard by hard by the force field. Cyborg ah. touches a lighted area on his comm panel. Damon, they have regained consciousness. Very good. Riker turns to Luxon in time to see both of the women disappear in a Frangi transporter effect. Oddly, their clothing has not traveled with them. Riker picks up Troy's clothing. We cut to the Frangi laboratory. Another example of tasteful Frangi interior decorating. Not a pleasant setting. Various pieces of strange and dangerous-looking equipment are everywhere. Compounds have spilled over and crested on table surfaces. Troy and Luxana materialize here completely naked. Luxana reacts to this. I should have known. Even their transporters can't be trusted. Dr. Farrick enters from the side of the room. Why have you removed your clothing? Females do not deserve the honor of clothing. They're as bad as humans. Look at the leer on his face. We focus on Tog, who enters as Luxana is speaking. No, his expression uh, is of revulsion. But it is a feeling I do not share, Luxana. Luxana and Troy have found something with which to partially cover themselves. Luxana throws a quick look to Tog. Well, it's cold in here. Do you want me to become ill? You must forgive the doctor. He is not accustomed to dealing with Betazoid females. Now, Luxana, I have a business proposition for you. Thanks, but I'm not interested in any of your propositions. Hear me out. Your telepathic powers could bring us both great profit. Huh. Why would I want to bring you profit? In order to keep your daughter alive and healthy, for one. There's no need for threats. Loxana is a sensible female. I don't like the sound of this, mother. I believe I can control him, little one. I'm sure we can talk about this, just the two of us. A wise choice, Farrick. Leave us. Mother, are you sure? I'll be fine. And you may rejoin your friend. Troy dematerializes in the Ferengi transporter effect. Eric exits. Todd goes to a comm panel, hits a specific series of lighted areas. And now, Loxana Troy, let's talk. Tog leers at Loxana. This is the moment he's been waiting for. Tog presses another panel, and a bed slides out from a wall. We cut to exterior space. The Enterprise traveling at warp speed on its way to Gamma Rondi. We cut to main engineering interior. Jordy, Data, and Wesley are working at a console near the large wall schematic of the Enterprise. Fifteen hours from Gamma Arandi, and the subspace static is already playing hell with our communications. Just what you'd expect from a stellar nursery. Wesley, congratulations on passing your Starfleet written examination. An excellent achievement. 
Thanks, Data. Now if I can just do well on the oral exams. Not to worry. You will. And when you return, we'll be getting the best answer in the fleet. There is no guarantee that Wesley will be reassigned to the Enterprise. 91% of Starfleet graduates are not posted to Galaxy-class starships on their first assignment. Wesley reacts to this unexpected bit of news. I never thought of that. I always assumed I'd come back to the Enterprise. I'm sure Captain Picard will request for you. That is, if he's still commanding the Enterprise when you graduate. I never thought about that either. I never thought I'd feel this way about leaving you guys in the Enterprise. Is that not part of the human experience? Growth and change? I suppose, but... Listen, Wesley. I felt the same when I left my family to go to the Academy. But it was one of the best times of my life. You're going to meet new friends and have adventures that you can't even imagine yet. Wesley's beginning to feel some mixed emotions now. I hope you're right, Jordy. We cut to the Ferengi holding cell. Troy has returned and is again wearing her clothes. In the background, Nyber is playing 3D chess with a Ferengi crewman. Little one. Troy reacts as she hears her mother. Telepathy. Todd's given me some perfectly something perfectly hideous to wear. He says it flatters my beauty. So far, my mother's in no danger. I hope she knows what she's doing. Well, she's bought us some time. Let's make the most of it. Riker stands, crosses to the arch, and studies the chessboard. Nybor's scowling. The cranky crewman's got Nybor in a tough spot. Nybor reaches for a piece. I wouldn't do that. I don't need your help. The hell you don't. You're two ways. You're two moves away from being mated. Nybor ignores Riker, makes the move anyway. The Frankie crewman promptly makes his move, and Nybor winces. He didn't see the response coming. See, you should have listened to me. Now you've only got one possible escape. Nybor waves Riker off, makes a move. That wasn't it. The Frankie crewman smiles, makes his move, then stands up. The game is over. The crewman exits, smirking. Nybor suddenly, suddenly starts setting up the chessboard. You should have moved the bishop. Ridiculous. The bishop was pinned. Don't listen to me. Forget the fact that I beat you in 30 moves. Pure luck. I was being polite. I could have done it in 20 moves. Nyber glares at Riker. Then prove it. Nyber makes an opening move. Pawn to queen four. King's level. Riker locks eyes with Nybor. Bond to King's Bishop 3, Queen's level. Nyber sneers at Riker, makes Riker's move, and studies the board. We cut to the Frankie laboratory. The lighting is softer now. Tog and Luxon are alone. He has just poured a drink for her. She is wearing a sexy gown and feeling rather seductive. They are sitting closer together on the edge of the bed. I must admit, when you first appro approached me aboard the Enterprise, I was intrigued. You mean revolted? Perhaps a little. Do you forgive me? He continues to move in closer to her as they talk. Yes, with your powers, we could be a formidable team. He puts his hand on her shoulder. She does not resist. My, you have great strength in your hands. And you like that? I've always admired strong males. You are beautiful. It is impossible for me to resist you. Then don't. And he moves even closer. She bends slightly forward to meet him. And as they kiss, we cut to the Ferengi holding cell. Riker's in background, looking at Nybor at the chessboard on the other side of the archway. Close on Troy, reacting to what's coming across her telepathic link to Luxana. Fade out. End of Act 2. Begin Act 3. We fade into the exterior space, the Enterprise. In the Gamma Arandi Nebula, a gaseous interstellar cloud aglow with brilliant light reflected back from its ionized particles. Within are nests of hundreds of embryonic stars, dense globals of nuclear fusion, pouring forth light and heat on the most massive scale imaginable. We cut to the main bridge, Picard in command chair, Worf at tactical, data at ops, other crewmen staff at bridge stations. On screen is a breathtaking view of the Gamma Arandi. Initial scans of ionization patterns complete, sir. 
now correlating sensor readings. It's almost in incomprehensible, the amount of energy being expanded. Actually, it is 5.34 times 10 to the 41st watts, sir. Well, within the norm for this type of phenomenon. Yes, yes, yes. Perhaps, Mr. Data. But that takes away none of the wonder. Data nods, watches the screen, try to comprehend the emotions Picard and the others must, be, must feel viewing this. We cut to the Ferengi holding cell. Riker and Troy are still in the cell. Nybor smugly makes a move on the chessboard. Chuck. Riker frowns, turns away from the arch. I'm a sick of this game. Of course, now that you're losing. Riker sits down, away from the archway. Who's losing? You're just tired of sta I'm just tired of standing up, and so are you, I think. <laughs> you can resign now. It's hard to play from in here. I can't even see the whole board. Ah, then you'll finish the game if I let you out of the cell? I might. Clever human. But I'm not that foolish. What? Do you think I'm going to try to escape? What would that get me? You've already got her. Besides, where would I go? I don't trust you. Riker puts his feet up, makes himself comfortable. Fine. Thanks for the game. Nyber thinks it over, picks up his phaser, and lowers the force field, gestures to Riker. Come out here. Riker crosses through the archway, steps up to the chessboard. Nyber restores the force field, keeping Troy captive in the cell. Now save your rook if you can. As Riker thoughtfully circles the board, we cut to the Ferengi laboratory. Tog sits on the floor at Lux on his feet, his head resting against her lap. And that was my first husband. Not much of a conversationalist, but what a lover. Well, then I met Zarn. I don't want to hear about your other romances. It makes me jealous. She wants to keep control of the situation, so she changes tactics and begins rubbing his ears. My, my, what big ears you have. Has anyone ever told you how attractive they are? Some females think they are my best feature. Loxana begins massaging his ears, and he relaxes into some sort of alpha state. No one has ever given me umox like this before. Umox? There is no translation, but the ear is one of our most erogenous zones. Loxana is disgusted by the revelation, but hides it. He relaxes into the alpha state even more, turning in a worshipful gaze towards her. We cut to the Ferengi holding cell. We focus on Nybor, unconscious on the floor, widened to reveal Riker standing above Nybor, rubbing his sore knuckles. Those Ferengi have iron jaws. Riker works the console. We focus on the archway. As the force field shimmers and disappears, Troy crosses to Riker's side. Little one. Troy reacts to hearing her mother telepathically. If Tog were a kitten, he'd be purring. Good work, mother. Riker reacts, gives Troy an inquiring look. Troy explains. According to mother, Damon Tog is extremely relaxed at the moment. Tell Loxana to keep him relaxed while we call in the cavalry. Riker crosses the computer terminal and taps keys, but the Ferenki computer replies. Access to communications denied. All transmissions must be authorized by Damon Tog. Riker and Troy exchange a look. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Let's just... Let's see just how relaxed Damon Tog is. We cut to the Ferengi laboratory. Tog is gazing levelly up at Luxana. Mother, we're out of the cell, and we're trying to contact the Enterprise, but we can't do it without Tog's access code. Do you think... Say no more, little one. Loxana, you and I are going to make a wonderful team. With your telepathy and my cunning, I foresee... A very profitable future. Tog is in ecstasy. We cut to exterior space, the Enterprise at warp speed. We cut to the main bridge. Picard, Worf, and Data still at their stations. Various crewmen staff other positions. Subspace interference is subsiding, sir. Communications have been restored. Good. Contact... Commander Riker on Beta Z. Message coming in from Beta Z, sir. Priority one. On screen. 
The image is of writing Grax, the Beta Zit conference director, fills the screen. Captain Picard, at last! We have been trying to reach you for two days! Our communications were blocked by the nebula. Righton, is there a problem? I'm afraid so, Captain. Luxana, Deanna, and Commander Riker have disappeared. <laughs> we focus on Picard's reaction. We cut to Fregi Laboratory. Luxana has been uboxing talking to a deeper alpha state, and now he's on the verge of sleep. I knew I wanted you the moment I saw you. <laughs> You have fulfilled my expectations. How sweet. Beck. Thought it was a bad idea, but I knew better. How clever. I knew best. I always know best. How repugnant. What? I said, how romantic. I can't resist a man who knows what he wants and goes after it. That's me. And that's why I'm Damon of the ship. I take charge in every situation. More to the left, woman. Whatever you say. Luxano obediently favors Tog's left ear. Tog happily drifts off again. My darling, would you like something to drink? You're so attentive. Does your food synthesizer know how to make an Arcturian fizz? I don't think so. They have certain... Pleasure-enhancing qualities. Mm. Let me teach the computer how to make one. I'll need your access code. Talk practically in Ferengi La La Land, about to slip into slumber, dreamily says. Yes, beloved. Computer. Access code. Kai. Yori. Da. Ti. Talk, be silent. Luxana, startled, turns to see an angry Ferrick standing in the doorway. I knew you were not to be trusted. Talk to Ferrick. I was going to make Damon Tog a drink. Save your lies for this fool. Ferrick indicates Tog, who's slowly regaining alertness. Damon Tog? He's misunderstood. Don't listen to him. No. You've misunderstood. You've been tricked by a sly female who finds you repulsive. She was only trying to serve. You almost gave her complete access to the ship's computer. A security breach severe enough to cost you your command. Tug falls silent, realizing Ferrick's got him by the short hairs. It's time you took my advice. Let me study her. Study her? Your mind problems could kill her. You brought her aboard for her telepathic powers. If I can determine what neural configuration gives her those powers, we may be able to duplicate them. We could still profit from this. I don't know. A true daemon would not be blinded by lust. Give her to me, or I will be forced to report your transgression. Tog is devastated. His darling may have betrayed him, and now he's locked in a power struggle with his first officer. Rather weakly, he agrees. Very well. Take her. We focus on Luxana's reaction. Fade out. End of Act 3. Begin Act 4. We fade into exterior space, the Enterprise, in orbit around Beta Z. We cut to the exterior of Beta Z clearing. Worf and three crewmen are inspecting the scene with tricorders. When you are finished here, survey in that direction. Hi, sir. We focus on writing cracks. I wish I had some answers for you, Lieutenant Worf. Mr. Harm was no help. None. He last saw them as he was leaving this clearing. When he returned, all three of them were gone. Data returns, holding the bunch of wilted flowers we saw earlier. Lieutenant Fo Foley discovered this in the pond. The species is Zen Paraculi. It is not indigenous to Beta Zed but to Lapafor, a Ferengi world. We cut to the captain's ready room. Picard, Geordi, Data, and Worf. The flowers are on the captain's desk. We now have a reasonable hypothesis as to whom. The difficult question is where. The Ferengi ship is almost as fast as the Enterprise. 
She could be just about anywhere by now. Picard considers for a second. Commander Riker will assume that we'll be searching for them. He'll find some way to send us a message. Mr. Wolf, I want continual monitoring of the Ferengi subspace frequencies. Mr. LaForge, can you extend our sensor range? If I narrow the band and tie in long-range sensors to the subspace scanners, I can boost the game. Make it so. Do you wish to leave orbit, sir? Not until we have some place to go. We cut to exterior space, the Creighton, traveling at warp speed. We cut to the Ferengi holding cell. As before, Nybar unconscious on the floor. Riker Riker working at the terminal, Troy looking on. I've tried everything I know, and it's no use. Without Todd's security code, I can't get near the communication system. We're running out of time. (laughs) (laughs) To begin neural scan on my mother. Maybe I'm going about this in the wrong way. If I pick a minor subsystem, something non-essential. Breaker works the console, brings up a system control, uh, control schematic. Like this, the warp field phase adjustment. All this does is suppress the subspace interferences generated by the warp engines. Meaning what? Meaning, if I set up a simple oscillation, I can get us send out a signal. The trick is to create a message that the Enterprise will understand, but the Ferengi will think is just normal subspace static. Riker punches in a set of complex computer instructions. Troy flinches at the sudden pain. Riker notices. What's wrong? We cut to the Ferengi laboratory. Luxana is on the Ferengi operating tail. A strange device is probing the Betazoid's mind. Luxana is writhing in agony. A monitor shows the woman's brain, changes in color, indicating the manipulations Ferrick is putting through her. We cut to the Ferengi holding cell. Riker holding Troy. She is really suffering, but really trying to, to be a good soldier and handle it. Well, we've got to help her. Riker makes a decision, picks up Nyber's phaser. Come on. Raker and Troy exit. We cut to exterior space, the Enterprise orbiting Beta Z. We cut to the main bridge, a flurry of activity. Data at Science One, Geordi at Engineering, Wesley assisting Geordi, Worf at Tactical, Supernumeraries are at other stations. They are examining all possible information to discover where the Ferengi have taken their hostages. Thanks for your help, Wes, but you better be getting aboard the Bradbury. They were ready to break orbit an hour ago. Soon as I'm sure this works. Initiating scans now, Captain. We hear a succession of coded radio signals, all weak, scrambled, unintelligible, and covered with hair- layers of hiss, rhythmic pops, static. Each scan sample set lasts about five seconds. Can you locate Creighton? Dean and Wesley work at Science One. Ferengi transmissions are routinely scrambled and encoded, sir. Without breaking the code, we will be unable to identify any specific Ferengi vessel. Ferengi codes are damn near impossible to break! Gentlemen, I have the utmost confidence in your ability to perform the impossible. Jordy, Wesley, and Data keep working as the various scan signals continue. One signal contains a particular pattern of rhythm popping that catches Wesley's attention for a moment. But Wesley can't quite put his finger on why. Then another signal, and the scan replaces it. Captain, the Bradbury's hailed us. They can no longer delay their departure. Car turns to Wesley. Mr. Crusher, now. No lengthy farewells. Good luck. Thank you, sir. Wesley would like to say goodbye to everyone else, but there's, there's no more time. He takes one last look around the bridge as the rest of the crew resumes their tasks. The repetitive nature of the subcarrier pattern would imply a modified Greenlaw-Huffman encoding scheme. Wesley exits into the turbolift. The door closes. Check six. Check to the transporter room interior. A crew member is at the transporter console. Beverly, Beverly is near the pad, waiting with a travel case. 
Wesley enters, his manner thoughtful and preoccupied. Beverly smiles proudly. Wesley? <laughs> Beverly gives him a farewell, a farewell hug. Wesley smiles at her, but he just can't get his train of thought away from the problem on the bridge. Lost in thought, Wesley steps onto the pad. Take care. You too, Mom. Something the matter? We've been scanning for Rangi transmissions, trying to find the Creighton. One of the signals was, I don't know, familiar somehow. Something in the message? No, the message was scrambled. It was static. Wesley steps out the pad, heads for the door. Where are you going? <laughs> Too late. Wesley's already exited. We focus on Beverly's expression. Where is he going? Fade out. End of Act 4. Begin Act 5. We fade into exterior space. The Enterprise orbiting bait is in. We cut to the main bridge. Picard, Data, Worf, Geordi, and Crewman. Captain, the Bradbury has informed us that they can no longer wait for Mr. Crusher to come aboard. Picard is surprised, but before he can respond, Wesley enters from the turbulent. Everyone reacts. Captain, I think there is a problem to the, the subspace interference I heard on one of the Ferengi messages. Wesley, unless you leave immediately, you'll miss... Wesley nods. He knows what he's doing and continues. The interference itself could be a message. If I could only just hear a replay of the subspace scans. Picard studies Wesley. Nods. Signal the bribery they made a pot. Play back the Ferengi transmissions. We hear the various coded radio signals as before. We, Wesley listens in, intently until he hears the signal with the pattern interference popping that caught his attention before. Wait, repeat that one. Put it on continuous replay. Data works the console. Data does so. Signal keeps playing. Hear that popping sound, Data? Can you filter out everything but that sound? Data works the console. We now hear only the rhythmic popping. Now that it's isolated, it's easier to identify. That's Cochrane distortion, a fluctuation in the phase of the subspace field. All warp engines generate that kind of interference. But listen to the pattern. It's the Algorian ceremonial rhythm the musician was playing at the reception. Mr. Crusher is correct, sir. There is a temporal correlation. Then it is a signal from Commander Riker. Ingenious. He selected a signal we'd recognize, but one the Ferengi would dismiss as static. Wesley moves to the con, relieves the crewman there. War's been working the tactical console under this now and reports. Signal source located, Captain. Plot and intercept course. Wesley's already punching it in at the helm. Course plotted and laid in, sir. Well done, Mr. Crusher. Hi, sir. Engage. We cut to the Ferengi laboratory. Loxana is restrained on a biobed. Ferrek is making adjustments to his mind probe. Riker and Troy enter. Riker fires a single shot, destroying the probe. Ferrek and Loxana react. Riker gestures with the phaser. Get away from her. Ferrek moves quickly to obey. Troy crosses to her mother and unfastens the restraints. The stress of her deal shows on her face as Loxana sits up. Tog enters from behind Riker. He too holds a phaser. Stand off, Commander. Riker whirls to face his new threat. Riker hands over the weapon. Damon Tog, can't we strike a bargain? All I'm concerned about is my daughter's safety. What happens to me isn't important. What are you suggesting? She sees an opening and takes a full advantage. Let me be candid, Damon Tog. Deanna's of no use to you. She's only half Betazoid. And if you keep Riker, Starfleet will never stop chasing. Todd nods judiciously. Go on. Release them, and I will stay with you willingly. Tog is wavering. Loxana clinches the deal. I'll even use my telepathy to aid in your negotiations. I'm attempting offer. I would like to believe you. She extends a hand. The offer is genuine. I give you my word as a daughter of the fifth house of Beta Z. Loxana, don't! I've made up my mind. I can't let you do this. William, I am a grown woman. I can make my own decisions. Mother, we can't just leave you here. Loxana turns to Troy, silences her with a look and a thought. Yes, you can. And before he changes his mind... Please, little one, do this for me. 
just this once. Luxana turns back to Tog before Troy can reply. Do we have an agreement? Todd nods. The deal is done. Give you my word, I will release your daughter and the commander. Tog holsters his phasers. He's reached a bargain. He shrugs and moves to Luxana's side. She smiles. We focus on Riker and Troy as they react. Farrakh is frankly disgusted. A Federation approaching ship approaching at high warp. Farrakh panics, panics, but Tog is calm. The Enterprise has found us! Slow to impulse, raise shields. Inform the Enterprise that two of our guests are ready to return. The other will be staying with us at her request. I must protest, Damon! Loxana has given her word. Umox is only the beginning. Mm. We cut to exterior space. The Enterprise and the Creighton motionless relative to one another. We cut to the main bridge. Riker and Troy beam in. The view screen shows the Creighton. Are you both all right? None the worse for wear. My mother bought our freedom. Captain, she doesn't want to stay with Tog. Hail the Creighton. Frequencies open. Damon Tog responding. On screen. On the view screen, the image of the Creighton is replaced by Tog. Captain Picard, it's so good of you to meet us. We were on our way to Beta Z to return our guests. Of course you were, Damon. But you're still holding Waxana Troy. Waxana suddenly enters the frame next to Talk. When will you get it through your thick head that it's over between us, Jean-Luc? Picard reacts to this bizarre statement. Troy suddenly smiles. She sees where her mother's going. Picard indicates to Worf to mute the transmission. I think I know what she's doing. You must fight to get her back, Captain. Bluffing a Ferengi on behalf of Loxana Troy? Picard shakes his head. Why me? But it might work, so Picard bites the bullet, turns to the main viewer. Open. Uh, uh, it's not over between us, Waxana. You're mine. I will not let you go. I insist you return to my side immediately. You mean, you still care? Words fail Picard. He searches his memory for something, anything to say. Finally, he hits upon Shakespeare. My love is a fever. <laughs> Longing still for that which is nurses the disease. Tell me more. In faith, I do not love thee with mine eyes. For they in thee a thousand arrows see. But tis my heart that loves what they despise. Who in despite of you are pleased to note? Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. Under this, Tog whispers to Luxana. You didn't tell me that you were and Captain Picard were. You said you didn't want to hear about my other romances. I have a new love, Jean-Luc, and you can't keep killing all of my lovers. That simply has to stop. Killing? Oh, he's insanely jealous. Listen, Tog. I must possess Waxana. And if that means destroying your ship in the process, so be it. Captain, I had no idea Loxana was... Don't let him threaten you. You can defeat him. The only way you'll get me back is over Tog's dead body. <laughs> that can be arranged. Mr. Wolf, arm phaser banks and photon torpedoes. If Waxana is not in my arms in the next 10 seconds, throw everything you've got at the Kraton. But you will destroy Loxana. When I have plucked the rose, I cannot give in vital growth again. It needs must wither. Nine, eight, tis better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all. Seven, six. No, wait. Five, four. Beam to the bridge. Now. Two, one. And Luxana materializes on the bridge. Playing her part in the trade, she rushes to Picard, throws her arms around him. You wonderfully jealous fool, you. 
Captain, I trust there will be no further action taken against us. Such is my reporting this incident to your superiors, who may question your competency as Daemon. I will think about it. Screen off. And Karpa cuts the communication. He looks to Luxana. Charade's over. Luxana, however, doesn't let go. Thank you, Jean-Luc. You were most convincing. You certainly convinced me. Picard has some difficulty extricating himself from Luxana's arms. I am truly grateful, Mrs. Troy, that you risked your life to save my people. I'll have you home within a few hours. Oh, no, 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 no. That won't be necessary. I'd just love to hear more of your poetry. Perhaps another time, please. Mr. Crusher, set a course for Beta Z. Warp 9. We cut to exterior space. The Enterprise streaks at top speed for Beta Z. We cut to the Enterprise ready room interior. Picard is, is reading something on his pad as Wesley enters. Yes, to see, Captain? Picard barely looks up. I've been in touch with Admiral Hahn at Starfleet Academy. Wesley's expression turns hopeful. Maybe there's still a chance somehow. The Admiral regrets you've, you're missing a uh, more oral examination, but hopes that you'll still re reapply next year. Wesley hides his disappointment. No loopholes here. I understand, sir. And I do intend to reapply. Picard not. Good. In the interim, the Academy's loss is our gain. The Enterprise will continue to benefit from your talents for another year. Thank you, sir. Picard returns his attention to the pad. Wesley stands, waits to be dismissed. Nothing. Wesley begins to feel awkward. Finally. Is that all? No. Picard looks up. Is there something wrong, Captain? I'm just thinking that I'm saying goodbye to you as you are today. Wesley stands mute, wondering if he's in trouble. But I thought you said I wasn't going to be able to go. The Academy must make you wait. That's true. But when I review your service to the ship, your crewmates, I cannot in all conscience make you wait for the Academy. Is there a twinkle in Picard's eye? <laughs> you see, Wesley, in my eyes, you're an acting ensign entitled only. I hereby grant you field promotion to full ensign, but all the commensurate responsibilities and privileges of that rank. Wesley's face lights up before Wesley can speak. <laughs> Congratulations. You're dismissed. We cut to exterior space, the Enterprise orbiting Beta Z. We cut to the main bridge. Picard, Riker, Troy, Worf, Data, Geordi, Beverly are all here. Crew member at the con. Loxana Troy has beamed down to the Beta Z, Captain. Wesley enters. Now in a crimson Starfleet uniform of an ensign, he takes to his station. Notify Starfleet we are en route to the Xanthras system for our rendezvous with the Zapata. Aye, sir. Ancient Crusher, take us out of orbit and set course for Xandros 3, Warp Factor 6. Aye, sir. Engage. Course is set. Beverly looks proudly over at Wesley, who takes a moment to relish his new status. Yes, this is going to be all right. Yes, all right. Fade out. End of Act 5. The end. And scene. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Okay, all right. So, um, yeah, that's that concludes our our reading of this script. Uh, want to thank everybody, and I want to introduce you to all of our performers here. I think you've had it, your graphic up in here. So, uh, first, let's uh, Jane. Uh, we'll bring you in first. Uh, oh, oh, let's go to there. You are. Hi, hey, Jane. Jane was playing the part. Who are you playing, Jane? You were playing uh, Damon Tog. Damon Tog. Wesley Crusher and uh, Nibor. Nibor. Okay, bringing in next, uh, we got Ashley Millard, who was playing the role of Loxana Troy and uh, and uh, Lieutenant Commander Data and all the computer voices as well. Great job, both of you. And hey, and also 
Finally, oh, let's uh, it's, it's, we'll take that down and we'll bring in Jeff. Uh, Jeff was uh, also one of our performers playing the role of uh, Captain Jean Luc Picard and um, and Deanna Troy and Ferrec the Ferengi and uh, and Jordi LaForge and myself. It was an honor to do it. Yes, I, I was playing, um, who was I playing? I was like Commander Riker and uh, Lieutenant Command Lieutenant Worf and uh, and Wrighton Grax, a Beta Zed. Uh, who might have been a goblin, and uh, and uh, who else do we have? Uh, Beverly Crusher, uh, I also had so, and the narrator. I was also hey, hey, Elmo. <laughs> <laughs> I so, think you have to show everyone uh, how you performed the goblin. They have to see the what I had to sit here and watch and maintain I had to, um, my composure. For, yeah, because for those listening to the audio version, you won't get the benefit of this. But when I do that, that particular character. That voice, I have to kind of emote into it, um, or it doesn't quite work. So here, I'll let's see if I can find a line from Wrighton Grax from the beginning of the episode. Um, Jeff, can you just say a toast to the success of the trade conference? Is war is, is Picard? Oh, one sec. A toast to the success of the Wrighton conference here on Beta Z. They made a profit and behaved themselves. What more could one ask? Still, they trouble me. We beta Zeds are a comfortable species like the Ferengi, whose minds we can't read. <laughs> I, I was losing it. <laughs> Out of the corner of my eye, I kept on seeing these fingers moving. I, I kept making myself laugh doing Troy. I, 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 at one point, I know I did Ringo Star. And I was like, oh no, Kevin's right. I do do Ringo Star. Ringo Star on Xanax. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not on Xanax. Uh, what, what did you guys think of my Riker? Oh, I couldn't. Your Riker was ridiculous. Laughing. I was I was so I had to do scenes with you as Troy, and I could not stop like giggling <laughs> in my own mind between you doing Riker and me having to go to Ringo Starland. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop. Yeah, I was just like Troy always waits two beats before answering any question or sentence. <laughs> sometimes five. Sometimes five beats. She's just like, <laughs> when's it, when's the line coming in? Um, I didn't do anything particularly special with my wharf, uh, but uh, just do it deep and slow. And it's... did you like? Did you? Oh no! Did you like my uh, my Picard soliloquy? I loved it, Picard. You, you, yeah. It yeah. really because I think the fact that you had the British voice throughout, like when you have to do that Shakespeare at the end. I think because we were we were playing with the idea of doing Picard as multiple different types of people. And yeah, I was thinking about doing them as like Tony Soprano. Yeah. Tony Soprano was an option, and I think you were talking about yeah. doing uh yeah, was yeah. Um, you had you had I think Southern Southern Gentleman was one option you would consider. Yeah, Southern Prospector. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, you never, know, you, you never know who they're going to get to play these parts uh, here on Live Long and Podcast or who will do it. Because I, I have to make each voice distinct. The Riker cross between John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart was great. <laughs> it was... Um, it, it was John Wayne meets um, Robert, like, but it was it was Will Ferrell doing Robert Goulet. Um, it, was, and... it was Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> was John, if John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart had a child and he grew up listening to both of those people speak, Riker. Yeah. <laughs> well, fair enough. But if I tried to do that, it wouldn't have sounded like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. I was trying to like make him like a singy soggy Riker sometimes, or he's like, <laughs> "Oh, that was my favorite part is where you had to sing as Riker." <laughs> oh no! <laughs> that was the best part. Oh okay. Well, okay. I'm glad. Uh, I hope everyone liked it. Uh, thank you for our viewers out there. We appreciate listeners and everybody. We hope you enjoyed this. We'd love uh, any feedback, uh, commentary, whatever. Uh, suggestions on, on how to improve future episodes. 
yeah we tried out some uh yeah whatever what episodes you want to hear us read that doesn't have to be next generation exclusively um we have a few in our list that we're talking about doing next um so it's not we have our company as it speaks today but uh we're, we we, are, we could expand uh if, if anybody else wants to join in for uh for a role so let us know and uh yeah and uh so also here on live long and podcast uh we'll be back here tomorrow to finish up our star trek movie rewatch podcast as we'll be here for star trek beyond darkness uh, uh tomorrow <laughs> and let's go as we finish that up i think we're it's a it's a pretty skeleton crew because jeff you're not on that one and jane's away and so i think it's just and ashley are you in this uh, one tomorrow tomorrow yeah i can't yeah, probably, I, I think i'll be able to do it Oh, you'll be able to do it? Yeah, okay, good. Yeah. Or somebody said they were in it. Maybe it was Jody. I can't remember who it was. But um, anyway, check that yeah, out. Like it's our final one. And you can go, you know, it's been quite a journey going back and watching every star, all 14 Star Trek films and rewatching them all. So check that out. We'll be back next Friday, likely with uh, our next performance, although we don't know what that will be yet. Quite yet. Also, that just happened. And uh, and what else? On Tuesdays, we have Star Trek Deep Space Nine. On Thursdays, we do our original series rewatch podcast. So check those out. And also check out Super Mater Brothers Podcasting and our other channel, Trivial Debates. Because this Sunday, Trivial Debates will have uh, our monthly matchup where we have uh, different arguments about movies, TV, and music. And there's points. And it's, kind of, it's a lot of fun. So check that out. Chris Seymour hosting. Uh, my wife, Jane. Uh, my brother, Jeff. And Kevin Millard all competing. So it's going to be uh, quite something. Anyway, uh, thanks everybody, and uh, thanks for listening. We'll uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Oh, thank you.